Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the purpose of the plagues as we pick up in Exodus chapter 12, verse 12. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. For the Lord said, I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all of the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am Jehovah. Now, here God is declaring that the purpose of these plagues has been that he might execute against all of the gods of Egypt, his judgment. They had worshipped the flies, they had worshipped the frogs, they had worshipped the Nile River. And God exercised his judgment against their gods. And so he is magnifying himself. As the Pharaoh said, who is Jehovah? I don't know him. He surely learned. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And the Lord declared, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. So the blood was to be a protection. It was to be a seal for that house, a token by which when God sees the blood there on the doorpost, he would pass over that house and the firstborn would not die. However, in whatever house there was not the blood there over the doorpost and on the side post of the house, the firstborn in that house would be slain. The only protection and the only salvation was through the blood. No other hope No other way, no other salvation except through the blood applied by faith. Because it had to be a step of faith on the part of the people. You can't really intellectualize on how blood on a doorpost can keep your firstborn child alive. It doesn't really make sense from an intellectual standpoint. And thus, it had to be a step of faith on their part. Moses said, this is what God says to do. And they had to obey the word of God by faith. They weren't sure that it was going to work. They weren't even sure that the death would be visited, except that Moses said it would upon the firstborn in the land. And so there had to be that obedience of faith, putting the blood on the doorpost. But as Moses said, so it was. And the only hope of salvation was through the blood. And so today, God has declared that the only hope of life, the only hope of salvation is through the blood of Jesus Christ. There is no other way There is no other hope. You say, Chuck, that's too narrow. I cannot believe in a God that would be so narrow. That's too bad. Jesus said, straight is the gate, 
Narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and few there be that find it. You say, but I can't understand it. I didn't say I did. I believe it. I believe God's word. I accept God's word is true. I don't argue with God, nor with the word of God, nor do I seek to strive with God. For who am I to contend with God? Who am I to argue with God over what's fair or what's right or what's wrong? Am I saying that my standards of fairness are, are above God's? Am I saying that I know better than God? Dare I challenge God? Paul said, remember, you're just like a bit of clay in the potter's hand. And what right has the clay to say to the potter, hey, why are you making me this kind of a pitcher? I don't want to be that. I wanted to have a different shape. Hey, you are what you are. And we have no right to challenge God or the ways of God or wise of God. But if we have good sense, we'll just submit to God whether we understand it or not. The obedience of faith is so important. God has declared there is salvation in no other. When Peter was examined concerning the miracle done to the lame man and was standing before the council, Men and brethren, if I be examined this day because of the good deed done unto this impotent man, be it known unto you that by the name of Jesus Christ does this man stand here before you whole. He was the stone which was set of naught of you builders. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. The Bible says, Woe unto him who strives with his Maker. You know, there are some people who are just foolish enough to fight with God, to try to challenge God or to resist God. And one of the most ridiculous things you can ever do is to fight with God. How could you ever win? Unfortunately, some people do. Because you see, God is seeking to draw you to life. God is seeking to draw you to himself. God is seeking to draw you into the highest life, life on the spiritual plane. And you're fighting God. To fight God is really to fight your own good. To resist God is to resist the good that God wants to do within your life. Woe unto him who strives with his maker. So it is not mine to question or challenge. It's mine to simply trust and believe. Because you can be sure that God will do what he said he is going to do. If you follow his instructions, you'll be saved. If you don't follow his instructions, you'll be lost. Now the children of Israel could have argued with Moses. They could have challenged the, the thing that Moses was telling them. Ah. I don't see any sense in doing that. And you really can't see any sense in doing it except God said to do it. And when God says to do something, whether I understand it or not, the very wisest thing for me is to go ahead and do it. 
because I'll find out later on that what God said was right. If I have submitted to it, I'm in good shape. If I have resisted it and fought it, then I'm in trouble. So Moses laid it out. And God declared, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. God is saying that to us tonight as far as death is concerned and life is concerned. When he sees the blood of Jesus Christ applied to your heart, he passes over. You've passed from death unto life. He that liveth and believeth on me, Jesus said, will never die. You've passed from death unto life. You say, Chuck, again, it doesn't stand to reason because out here in the cemetery, there are so many graves. If you look at the tombstones, you'll read, resting in Jesus, trusting in the Lord. And, and you read the statements of faith of that individual. They lived and believed in Jesus and are now dead. Oh, no, they're not. You're mistaken to think that they are. They're only dead as far as our relating to them is concerned, but they're very much alive, alive in the presence of the Lord. Paul said, I find myself with mixed emotions. I have a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, for your sakes, it's important that I stick around a while longer. He said, I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago or a few, little over 14 years ago, and whether in the body or out of the body, I really don't know, but I know I was caught up to the third heaven, and there I heard things that it would be a crime if I tried to describe them in human language because words haven't been made that can describe the experiences that I had. Now, whether in the body or out of the body is in reality, whether dead or alive, I really don't know. Again, Paul writes to the Corinthians, we know that when this earthly tent is dissolved, this body that we then have a building of God, not made with hands eternal in the heavens. So then we who are in this body do often groan earnestly desiring to be freed from the restrictions of this body from the limitations of this body, from the pain and the suffering of this body. Not that I would be an unembodied spirit, but my desire is to be clothed upon with the body which is from heaven. For we know that as long as we're at home in this body, we are absent from the Lord, but we would choose rather to be absent from this body and to be present with the Lord. For those who live and believe in Jesus, they do not die, they move out of the old tent that is worn out into a beautiful new house, a building of God not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. I'm so anxious to see my new model. <laughs> One that's designed probably for my personality. One that will be fully capable of expressing me completely and fully as I, as I really am. It's going to be so interesting to find out all of the capacities 
of that new body that God has built for me, that new model directly from God. He who lives and believes in Jesus Christ never dies. You do move. Thank God we move. I'd hate to stick around in this old body much longer. I hate the deterioration. I hate the catabolic forces. I hate the diminishing returns. I look forward to being with the Lord, being in that new form, that new body, the body that pleases God. Paul tells us that when you plant a seed into the ground, the seed doesn't come forth into new life until it first of all dies. And then the body that comes out of the ground isn't the body that you planted. Now, there are a lot of people that want to be related to this old body. They want it to be somehow related to their new body. It is, in a sense, just like a dead bulb is related to the new plant or a dead seed is related to the new plant. There is a relationship, sure. A gladiola bulb remains a gladiola when it's a flower. But there's a vast difference between the bulb and the flower. And there will be a vast difference between this old ugly bulb and the blossom flower <laughs> in the kingdom of God. So don't go looking for a bald head when you get up there to find me. <laughs> and somebody has to use glasses to read. You'll never recognize me. A building of God not made with hands. The body that comes out is not the body that you planted. All you planted was a bare grain, and God gives it a body that pleases him. So is the resurrection from the dead. We are planted in corruption. We are raised in incorruption. We are planted in weakness. We are raised in power. We are planted in dishonor. We are raised in glory. We're planted as a natural body. We are raised as a spiritual body. God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. That is the death that has been sentenced upon man. He's going to pass over me. I'll not die. But I will be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, into the glorious likeness of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, yet I love. And even though I don't see him yet, yet in my heart I rejoice with a joy unspeakable and full of glory because even though I am now a son of God, I don't know for sure yet what I'm going to be. All of the full capacities and everything else. But I know that when he appears, I'm going to be like him. For I'm going to see him as he is. Conformed into his image. Oh, how glorious is the hope of every child of God who by faith follows the command of God and who has received the sacrifice of God, God's Lamb, Jesus Christ, and have received the covering of Jesus Christ. And his sins have been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so in Exodus, we have God laying out 
the Passover lamb, which is a type of the lamb of God for Jesus. It was the night in which he had the Passover supper with his disciples that he took the Passover elements and said, hey, this is me, this is me. Don't you understand? It's me. I'm the Passover lamb. This cup is a new covenant. It's in my blood. No longer the lamb in Egypt and the blood of the lamb in Egypt. No longer does this feast carry you clear back to Egypt. This feast now carries you back to the cross of Jesus Christ. And as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show the Lord's death, not the death of the lamb in Egypt, but the death of the lamb of God. You do show the Lord's death until he comes. And so the feast was inaugurated, but it was inaugurated to remind, yes, but also to look forward to the fulfillment of what that lamb in Egypt typified, the lamb of God slain for our sins. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations, and you shall keep it a feast by the ordinance forever. Seven days you are to eat the unleavened bread. Even the first day you'll put away leaven out of your houses. Now what is leaven? It's yeast. And what is yeast? Decomposition. The breaking down of substance. And thus, leaven has become, throughout the Scripture, a type of sin. Because of its decomposition, its breaking down, its effect of just permeating the whole by a process of deterioration or breaking down. And it becomes a very fit picture of sin. Any sin tolerated or allowed has a way of just expanding until it takes over and controls your life. But it brings into your life that element of decomposition, the breaking down, filling the whole life. And so leaven was to be excluded. They were to eat the unleavened bread, memorial. Seven days you'll eat unleavened bread, and the first day you'll put away leaven out of your houses. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And thus the, the bread of, of the Passover, the, the middle wafer, was representing Jesus Christ. In the Passover meal, they have three wafers of unleavened bread in this little napkin thing. And they take the middle wafer, and they break it, and then they hide it, and the children have to go and find it. Now, why they do this, they really don't know. But Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He said, this bread is my body broken for you. They break it. And even as he was in the grave for three days, they hide it. And then they discover it, and there's great rejoicing when it's discovered, a big celebration. They found the broken bread. It was brought out. What a day it's going to be when Israel discovers the bread of life, Jesus Christ.
For if the cutting off of Israel brought salvation to the Gentiles, what will it be when they are restored? But the kingdom, the kingdom age, the entering into the kingdom age. And so they're, they're being cut off, brought salvation to Gentiles, but God is going to restore them again, and when he does, it's going to be life for the world, the kingdom age being brought in. So the inauguration of this Passover feast. And the Lord said in verse 16, And in the first day there shall be a holy convocation, and in the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation to you. No manner of work shall be done in them except that which every man must eat. That only may be done of you. And ye shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for in this selfsame day I have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall ye observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Exodus on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Exodus 12 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you. And may the blessings of the Lord surround your life. May you begin to experience greater victory in your walk with Jesus Christ as you yield yourself to that touch of God and as he molds and shapes you into that person he wants you to be as he conforms you into the image of Jesus Christ. And so may God bless you and may God work in your life this week in a very special way And may faith be increased as you study His Word. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Come study the Bible with Pastor Chuck Smith as he teaches from Genesis through Revelation on a digitally remastered audio edition of Pastor Chuck's Bible Commentary. That's over 600 audio MP3 files of Pastor Chuck teaching through the entire Bible, all on a 16-gig reusable flash drive. Now you can easily listen to Pastor Chuck's Bible commentaries when you insert this key into your computer. 
then you can transfer all of these audio Bible studies to a smartphone or any other listening device to learn and study God's Word on the go. And not only that, you can reuse this flash drive that easily fits onto any keyring for even more mobility at a fraction of the cost. What a great way to study and learn God's Word. For more information, please call the Word for Today at 1-800-272-9673 or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.